This is week three of the Daniel series. Uh, we've been going over the stories from the book of Daniel for the past uh, three weeks. And man, it's, uh, it, it's, it, I, it's honestly for me been such a blast getting to share with you guys and uh, have these moments and have this, uh, this opportunity. And I'm, I'm really, I, I'm so uh, grateful to Pastor Ben uh, to, to give me these opportunities to come and speak with you guys. Uh, and, uh, seriously, I'm very, very humbled to get to talk. But um, today's message is, uh, it's the last of the stories from the book of Daniel. It's Daniel chapter 6. Uh, before, like I said from week 1, Daniel gets the whole second half of his book is all, you know, him being a prophet and his prophecy. And so Daniel chapter 6 is the very last story. And uh, today's message is titled, Stand Firm. Can everybody say, Stand Firm? Now, uh, week one was the message stand out, and it was about how the Hebrew boys, you know, they stuck to their convictions, they stuck to their godly standard, and they stood out uh, from all the rest that were there with them. They stood out. And week two, last week, we talked about um, the fiery furnace and the, the big golden statue and how um, the we talked about standing up. We talked about how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood up when the rest of culture bowed down. And we talked, even when they were thrown into the fire furnace, we talked about how when you stand, Jesus stands with you. And uh, this week on week three, uh, it's called Stand Firm. And we're talking about Daniel in the lion's den. And now that phrase, stand firm, that phrase, stand firm, implies that there is some force in opposition to you. Some body, some thing, some force that is trying to to move you, something that's trying to shake you, something that's trying to impact you, something that's trying to influence you from the path that you're on, from the stance that you're in. That's what stand firm implies, that there is this opposition against you. It also implies standing firm over an amount of time. You know, standing in your position, standing in the right spot, standing firm. And every story that we've looked at over these three weeks to me, has truly been an example of that. Of these forces of people, of things, of culture, of systems, standing in opposition to the people of God. Trying to get them to move. Trying to get them to be shaken. And as we look at it over and over and over again, we see, and I believe too, in this room, I believe that there's, there's hundreds of stories that we could add on top of just these three from the, the book of Daniel where culture or, or people or, or the enemy has tried to shake us and move us and bring us down from our godly convictions and our faith and our standards. I believe that. But in those moments, in those dilemmas of faith, we're presented with the choice to blend in or to stand out. In those moments, we're presented with the choice to bow down or to stand up. And in those moments, we're presented with the choice to fall or to stand firm. Everybody look at somebody next to you and say, stand firm. Now, standing firm is so important. Um, as a parent um, or having a child, uh, you're, you're presented with this live, in the flesh, Example on the daily, just every day, of human beings standing on things that they should not stand on. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about this morning? Right? Just like, what are you doing right now? 
that is a broken bone waiting to happen. You know, just that is a very, very bad life decision you're making right now, standing on top of that little Fisher Price car that is already shaky. You know, like you shouldn't stand on that. Or just a couple weeks ago, I remember one of my kids was like, uh, he was trying to get something off the fireplace, which if it's on the fireplace, it should stay there usually, right? Um, but to get to the fireplace, because he's only five, he had to get on the very like back of the couch. Like, you know the part I'm talking about that's like this thin and has no cushion? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And so like he's on the very back of the couch trying to reach onto the fireplace, not just on one foot, but on one toe, everybody. Come on. What you stand on is important, right? Do y'all know who's worse than kids, than little kids? There's somebody who's worse than little kids when it comes to standing on dangerous stuff. (laughs) Pastor Ben on a ladder. Oh, my goodness. Pastor Ben is like the evil Knievel of ladders, everybody. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? You've got probably a picture in your head if you've seen it before. Oh, my goodness. That whole, like, where the sign where it says, not a step, that's just a suggestion to Pastor Ben, right? No joke. I've been with him before where we had a ladder that was not tall enough to reach the spot we were trying to get to. So he had the idea to get these two speakers that we moved and put underneath the ladder. And then once we got the ladder on top of the two speakers, then he stood on the top step. Right? <laughs> what you what you stand on is important. What you stand on is important. And it's very safe, right? Very safe. You need something to stand firm on in life. I think we, we look at we look at stories like that and we laugh at them because we we see that danger, but the reality is that's that's a physical example of something in the spiritual that we do so many times. What you stand on in life is so incredibly important. What you stand on is so incredibly important because in this world, there's so much anxiety. In this world, there's so much stress. In this world, there's so much uncertainty. In this world, there's so much opposition. It's so important what we stand on. It's so important. Do you ever feel like you're just trying to get your footing in life, but things just keep shifting underneath your feet? Is that just me? Or does anybody else feel like that? All the time. But if you listen to the words of Jesus, he says that to follow him is to build your life on solid footing. He says that to follow him and to follow his words... When you're on solid footing, you can stand firm. Now, what I believe, why are we talking about standing firm? Daniel in the lines in Daniel chapter 6. I believe prophetically that this is God. This is Daniel speaking to us from centuries and centuries and centuries past, speaking to us in Baton Rouge in 2019, in the culture that we're in, in the surroundings that we're in, And it's God and it's Daniel saying to us, yes, you are on solid ground. Yes, when you are following God's word, you are standing on solid ground. Yes, even when the sands of culture are shifting beneath your feet, you can still stand firm. 
Look at somebody and say, stand firm. I want to go ahead and let's just pray and dive right into it, everybody. Come on, God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it is a solid, firm foundation that we can set our feet on, that we can trust in you. And God, when culture moves, when there's opposition against us, God, that we can stand firm. We love you. We thank you. We just pray that as we dive into your word, you'd give us just fresh revelation, God. And I just, God, I pray a special blessing that you would grant Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers the desires of their heart and bring them a national championship in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen this morning. Amen. Whew, the Spirit's moving in here this morning. Got a Heisman candidate. Holy Spirit, thank you. <laughs> but let's just dive right in. It's Daniel chapter 6. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that. Also, if you take notes uh, on the Victory app, you can open up to the... says it pleased Darius to appoint. Now, uh, again, if you've been following along with us, this is a, a new king. You know, we've, we've hopped forward a little bit in the story. This is actually the third king that the book of Daniel tells us that Daniel has served under in his time in Babylon. It's not just a new king. It's a whole new kingdom. And so when Darius comes in, it's showing us how he's setting up his whole organization, his whole system. It says, so it pleased King Darius to appoint 120 satraps, which is just a really cool word for governors, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. So in those 120 governors in those states or provinces, whatever, you'd have three that those that 40 would um, report to. So those satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. These three were the three most important people in the kingdom besides the king. Now it says this, one of those three administrators was Daniel. Now Daniel so distinguished himself, say distinguished. He so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Y'all, he never stopped standing out. He lived a life where he never stopped standing out. Out. Now, we looked at week one. We looked at how it was the story of Daniel and his three friends. And uh, just to kind of give you a timeline, that was around probably when they were teenagers, historians believe. And then week two, uh, the fiery furnace, that was sometime in the next 30 years. So they still could have been young men, about 20, or they, they could have been around 40 with the timeline of history. 40, that's still a young man, right? 40. But today's story of Daniel and the lion's den, this is the third different king that has come in that the Bible tells us about. In reality, what, what, what history, the timeline of history says that this is about 50 years or more from the time when Daniel was brought from Jerusalem and kidnapped and brought into Babylon. It's about 50. So he was, he, at this point, he's an older man. He's near the, you know, with the life expectancy at the time, he's, he's probably near the end of his life. But as you see this, his whole life, he didn't waver. You, uh, we look at it as a few sentences, but this is decades of Daniel's life where he stood firm, where he didn't waver. All the young people and the old people can say amen this morning. He didn't waver. He didn't Waver. He. I look at the. I look at Daniel, and I look at his character, and I believe that he was confident in his mission. He was confident in his calling. He was confident in his place and culture, and he never left. 
Let's be the kind of people that no matter how many kings come and go, no matter how many people come and go, we will still remain and we will still be reaching our culture for Jesus. Let's be just like Daniel and look at how he stood firm in the world. Look at how he does it. It says that he distinguished himself not by good looks or a degree or a bank account, but by his exceptional qualities. That should encourage you if you don't have good looks, a degree, or a bank account. Come on, somebody. But see, so many times we we focus in on the things that we can't control. You know, the circumstantial things. And it says that Daniel distinguished himself not by the circumstances, but by his qualities. And if we worry about, I heard a, a football coach saying this earlier this week. He says, if you worry about the things that you can't control, they will control you. Amen. And you look at the, the life of Daniel. This is what it says, is that it's his qualities that set him out. I want to encourage everybody in that this morning that you can stand out. You can distinguish yourself because, and you can write this down. I can't control consequences, but I can control my qualities. I can't control the life that I was born into or the the neighborhood I was born into or the name that is on my birth certificate. I can't control those things, but I can control my qualities. You may not be able to, you know, you may not make a million dollars, but you can make a budget and control the money that you do have. You may not, you know, you may not be the most handsome or the most beautiful, but you can be devoted and love your spouse and spoil the mess out of them. All the spouses should say amen. There we go. Not too loud, you know, no elbows, right? You may not have had both of your parents there with you when you were, when you were young, but you could be there for your kids. You may not be the smartest person in the world, but you could be the hardest working person in the room. You may be a Florida fan, but no, I'm not going to go there. No. You can't control that, right? You can't control that. Feels good to win. Anyways, verse four, let's continue on. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. They didn't want him to take their job, everybody. (laughs) They were looking for a way to get him fired. It says they looked in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to find anything against him because he was they couldn't find corruption because he was trustworthy. He was neither corrupt nor negligent. I need, I want to say this to somebody this morning. You may not have the the title pastor or minister or something in your job title, but I want to encourage you. If you look at the life of Daniel, your business can be a witness. The way you conduct yourself in your business with your employees, with your customers, with your, 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 your supervisors, whatever, it could be a witness. The way you conduct yourself, again, it's those qualities that set you out and say, have people say, there's something different about him. It says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the only way we're going to get him in trouble is have something to do with him and his religion. Because he's crazy about that. He's not changing from that. He's not shaking from that. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king. They had made a plan. And they said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, all these people, have agreed that the king should issue a decree, an edict, and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, 
shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty, issue the decree, put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, not the Babylonians anymore, it's the new people that took over, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. So if Daniel continued in his faith, if he stood firm, there was a whole room of hungry lions waiting to eat him up. We just, we, we saw last night what some hungry tigers can do, right? You know, you could tell I'm still not over it. I'm just so excited. The only crimson tide we need is the blood of Jesus, right? Come on. Now, when Daniel had learned that this decree had been published, when he learned that his life was threatened, look at what he does. When, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, it says he went home to his upstairs room and he cried and he hid and he blasted King Darius on social media. That's not what your Bible says. Oh, let's see. What does it say? It says, when he learned that the law had been passed, when he learned that praying to God could get him sent to the lines, that could get him killed, it says that he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God. And I love this phrase, just as he had done before. Yeah, come on, put your hands together for Daniel. That's just as he had done before. I I love, I love, I love that phrase. It didn't matter that his life was threatened. It didn't matter how dangerous it seemed. It didn't matter to Daniel. It didn't matter. It says that nothing's going to shake my devotion to God. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to come in. I'm standing firm here. And can I tell you something? This side of eternity, you look at the life of Daniel and so many of us in here, you know, this side of eternity, the enemy's attacks will never stop against your life. And so many times, the further and the closer that you get to God, the further that you go in your walk, he just steps things up a bit, doesn't he? The enemy's attacks... We'll never stop again. Good morning. Welcome to church. Be encouraged, everybody, right? The enemy's attacks against you will never stop. But you look at the life of Daniel and you can stand out from everyone when the attacks are coming against you. When the attacks are coming against you, you can stand up when everyone else around you is bowing down. And when the attacks of the enemy are coming against you, no matter if you're young, no matter if you're old, no matter what stage of life you're in, when attack after attack after attack comes, you can stand firm. We can stand firm as believers. And now, these three weeks, we look at really three different things that the enemy attacked. Three different things that the devil attacked. And the first thing in week one, we saw the devil attacked their standards. We saw the devil attacked, you know, the, 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 the standard of holiness that God had, had issued in their life, that they had said they weren't, that they were going to follow, they weren't going to stray from. Last week we saw the devil attacked their worship. He was trying to get them to get their worship away from God and worship something else. This week, did you see what was attacked? It was his prayer. 
The enemy, these are the, let me just say, this is flashing, blinking lights to everybody in here. These are the three things that the enemy in Daniel's life said, I want to attack. These are the three things that are super vital to your life, to your faith, to your joy, to your peace. I'm going to attack your standards. I'm going to attack your worship and I'm going to attack your prayer life. I think to me, that's a big signal that these are things that we need to refine and protect and stand firm in. Write that down. That's the first thing I want us to look at is stand firm in prayer. We need to stand firm. If we want to live a life of influence like Daniel, if we want to live a life of influence, we need to stand firm in prayer. Because the enemy will always try and find a reason for you not to pray. He will always try and find a reason for you not to pray. In Daniel's case, it was with a den of hungry lions. He was trying to get him to stop praying. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not seen a pack of hungry lions running up and down Flannery Road anytime recently. Anybody? No? Just, okay, good. Um, but I'll say this. If the devil can't, if the devil can't stop you from praying with lions, so many times he does it with what the Bible calls little foxes. And that's church talk for, there's a, a verse from Song of Solomon where a husband and a wife are talking and the wife tells the husband, go and catch the little foxes who, who destroy our vineyards. And the way that she's saying it, it's, it's symbolic and it's talking about the love and the relationship that they have between each other. The moments that they share is that there's these little foxes, these little distractions, these little things that come up that just trying to, they just devour bit by bit the time that they have together, the moments that they share. And I want to tell you something. If the devil can't get your eyes off of prayer with lions, he'll get it off with little foxes. Those little things that come up throughout the day of, yes, I'm, oh man, you, you, you go to bed the night before and you're like, man, tomorrow is going to be such a good time of prayer in the morning. I'm going to wake up. And then the minute you wake up, it's like, oh, I forgot to do the dishes. And oh, they're going to be so upset if I don't have the, oh, and they have, I have to get their lunch packed. And so, oh, but I, I, then after I do the dishes, oh, I forgot that my report uh, that Bob texted me and I've got to text it back and oh, I've got the report. And so after all these things, then I'll eventually get to prayer and then your head hits the pillow and it's nighttime again, right? And you're, oh yes, finally, I've got this moment alone where my head hits the pillow right before bed and God, I'm just going to give everything in prayer to you right now. Anybody ever had a day like that? I sure have. Anybody? Just me. Okay. Just leave me out here all by myself. Okay. Uh, but if the devil can't get you with the lions, so many times he'll get you with the little foxes that come in and distract you. And I want to, I want us to, to look at the life of Daniel and be encouraged with this. Don't let distraction take down your devotion. Don't let distraction take down your devotion. How did Daniel do that? <clears throat> do like Daniel and give God a spot on your calendar. That should have gotten an amen, right? That's a, it's, it's very obvious and not very glamorous, but it's effective. Give God a spot on your calendar. Give God a spot in your schedule. Give God a spot. And, 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 and don't give me the Christianese thing that I used to say when I was young. God's got all my calendar, right? Anybody ever say, I, I said that about you. I, just, God's got all my calendar. I don't need to like set a time. I'm, I'm praying without ceasing, right? And that wasn't completely honest, right? But I want to tell you this. In January of 2018, 
in my own life personally, I made uh, a decision to do this, to, to, to set aside time in my schedule and in my calendar to have just like set aside time with God, not just finding time throughout the day, which I kind of gotten by with for a lot of my life. And I want to tell you something. My life changed so much for the better when I made time for God, when I set aside time for him. And uh, this is, I, I'm not a morning person. If you know me, I'm not a morning person. I enjoy um, not seeing the sunrise, okay? Like, when I wake up, I want to ask the question, are they still serving McDon- uh, breakfast at McDonald's? I don't, I, I need to be like on my toes about that, okay? Just, that's the perfect time to wake up to me. But I decided that I was going to set a routine and I was going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning because my kids are not awake at five o'clock in the morning, right? Amen. And I was going to set aside time to pray and to, to read my Bible and to get dig in. And can I tell you something that it, it is truly, 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 truly changed my life. And it's not from routine. It's not, I'm telling you, it's not the the routine that it's the power, but I believe it's the priority that I set to God. When you set that priority and when you set aside that time, it's you standing firm in prayer and saying, no lion, no fox, nothing is going to change my devotion to God today. And there's power in that proclamation. There's power in that stance. There's power in prayer. And so for you, whatever that is, whether it's the morning time before the kids are awake, whether that's your lunch break at work, whether it's right before you go to bed, whatever it is, I, I encourage you. I, I'm serious. Set, set aside time on your calendar and on your schedule for God. I would not be offended if you take out your calendar app on your phone right now, okay? I, I would not be offended if you do that. And just set aside time. Set an alarm. Set a reminder. Do something. Do something to where you don't forget and you make an appointment. Like Daniel did. Don't let distraction take down your devotion. Let's continue on verse 11. So Daniel continued. He continued with his prayer. He stood firm in prayer. It says, Then these men went as a group. They found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king. They spoke to him about his royal decree. Didn't you publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anybody who prays to anybody but you will be thrown into the lion's den. And he said, yes, that decree stands. It can't be taken away. That's how the law goes in this land. Then they said to the king, Daniel, your favorite that you like more than us, is one of the exiles from Judah. He pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly Distressed, and he was determined to rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law, nothing, no rule, no decree can be changed. The king's hands were tied. The king's hands were tied. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel. They threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God... Whom you serve continually, rescue you. It says a stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that, and I love this, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Now the king's hands were tied. 
And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this where the person or the thing that you thought was going to deliver you ended up that their hands were tied, that they couldn't come through. I want to declare to you this morning, the king's hands may have been tied, but the king of kings' hands are never tied. Come on. His arm is not too short, the word says, that he can't lift you up. The king of kings' hands are never tied. That signet ring that says that it sealed the stone, and I love what it says. It says that so that his situation might not be changed. The king put his seal on it. He put his sign and said, this stone isn't moving. Daniel's situation is not changing. Nothing about what has happened is going to change. And so many times the enemy comes in and does that on your life, doesn't it? Says you can't change. You're always going to be that same sinner that you were. You can't change. Nothing about your situation can change. But I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter what somebody else says about you. It doesn't matter what the enemy says about you. It matters what God says about your situation. God doesn't say that you're always going to be the same. God says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. God looks at you and says that you're blessed. You're saved. You're redeemed. You are a child of God. Don't ever think that your situation is hopeless. Don't ever think that your situation can't be changed. Verses 18, as we continue on, it says, Then the king returned to his palace. He spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And I love this because the king, it was obvious he cared about Daniel. Daniel was standing up in the face of a decree that he had just passed. I mean, if you look at it from any angle, he's disrespecting the king. But man, does the king still care about him. And I want to, I believe somebody in here is, is, is deliberating on this. Somebody in here is struggling with this right now, this issue that we've been talking about the last three weeks of whether or not to stand. And I believe maybe somebody in here is struggling with the fact that, you know, if I stand, that means that friendship is going to be gone. If I stand, it means that that business relationship is going to be gone. If I stand, look at Daniel. And I'm going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I cannot guarantee that it will or won't, but I can tell you this. That if it's God's will that they stay in your life, then they will stay in your life. But look at Daniel. He stood up in the face of a decree that he had made and still the king cared about him. It's possible to stand for what's right and still maintain your influence in this culture. It is possible. That's what every single one of these weeks has shown us. It's possible to stand for what's right and still maintain your influence in the culture that you're in. It's possible. In verse 19, when the morning comes, when the night is over, when morning comes, look at what happens in verse 19. At the first light of dawn, when Daniel has spent the night with the lions, with the hungry lions, with the sharp claws, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? I don't think he was expecting a reply here, everybody. But Daniel answered, may the king live forever. 
My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Anybody got some lions in here? You need their mouths shut this morning. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Come on, God is good, isn't he? God is good. And the the very last verse of the chapter, I love what it says. It says, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's saying Daniel prospered throughout the rest, the remainder of his life and his time in Babylon. And look, when we stand for God, we can prosper through the problems. Notice what I did not say. I didn't say when we stand for God, we can prosper away the problems. When Daniel trusted in God and he was thrown into the lion's den, the lions didn't disappear, everybody. He still had to wait an entire night with the lions, with sharp teeth, and sharp claws, and rumbling bellies. He didn't take the lions away, but he shut their mouths. He kept them from harming Daniel. I don't know about y'all, but even with their mouths shut, that doesn't sound like fun to me. <laughs> but Daniel prospered through the problems. He stood firm, even in the face of the hungry lions staring him down. He stood firm. He saw the angel of the Lord come and bring him deliverance. Come and bring him protection. Come and bring him victory. Because he trusted in him. And the key to standing firm, the key to standing firm is what are we standing on? And God wants us to stand firm in the face of opposition. He wants us to stand firm in the midst of the the shifting sands of culture and the world that we live in. God wants us to stand firm in the face of opposition. Because we can look at Jesus who stood firm in opposition. Even more than that, Jesus stood firm in the face of our own opposition. The Bible says that Jesus died for our sins, but it doesn't just say that. It says that while we were in opposition to Jesus, he died for us. He was standing firm in love against us, the very ones who were sinning against him. The Bible says that greater love has no man than they would lay down their life for their friends. And yet, what what does Scripture say in Romans chapter 5? It says that God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Another translation says, while we were still His enemies, He died for us. Greater love has no man than He would die for His friend, but, but... God died for us to make us his friends. All because he stood firm in love. He stood firm in the face of opposition. We too could do the same thing for the people around us. If we stand firm in Christ's love for them, no matter what culture says, no matter what the danger looks like, if we stand firm 
in the face of opposition in love and pointing people to Jesus and his life and his love. And think of the influence and the impact that we can have. What you stand on is important. Abraham Lincoln said once said it this way. He said, be sure to put your feet in the right place and then stand firm. Put your feet on the right thing and then stand firm. When life shifts underneath your feet, are you standing on the right thing? I mean, when, when, when life just comes and just socks you up against the jaw, like, are, are you standing on the right thing? Are you standing on your accomplishments? Are you standing on your bank account? Are you standing on your social status? Are you standing on the solid rock of Jesus? The Bible says when we repent and we turn from our sin, we turn from our pride, we put our trust and our faith in Jesus. It says our sins are forgiven, our life is made new. And when we walk in that new life that Jesus offers us, we're putting our feet on solid ground. Where we're able to stand firm in the face of lions, in the face in the face of culture, in the face of whatever danger that's standing against you. And when you put your feet on the solid ground of Jesus and you trust in him, you could be like Daniel and have such an impact in this world. Your life can be made new. And you can make new lives of the people all around you just by pointing them to Jesus. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes wherever we're at this morning. Man, if that's you, with your, nobody looking around, your head's bowed and your eyes closed. If that's you this morning... And you, you need to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. You need to be made new. You need to have your sins forgiven. You want to you wanna get off of the, the shifting sands of your, your selfishness and of your sin. And, and you want to place your life on the solid ground of Jesus and his life for you. And you want to accept his forgiveness. Wherever you're at, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand where I can see it. I'm not going to make you come up to the front. We just want to pray with you. Awesome. I see those hands. Anybody else want to join those two who put their hands up? That's an awesome, so, so awesome, y'all. This is what I want to do with everybody, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Ask all of us to pray this prayer together. We're not singling anybody out. But this prayer is just a prayer asking God to make you new, asking God to forgive you. Because the Bible says that when we confess our sins, when we say, God, yes, I'm a sinner. It says he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive you of your sin, he'll cleanse you of your unrighteousness. If anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. These words of this prayer aren't magic. It's not the words, but it's your heart that's broken before God. It's when you place your faith in Jesus that you're saved. So everybody here with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, let's everybody pray this prayer out loud. Help the three who raised their hand this morning. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your love. That you loved me when I was your enemy. That you loved me even though I was a sinner. So now I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to cleanse me. And I ask you to make me new. I'm not 
not trusting in myself anymore. I'm not trusting in my sin anymore. But I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. And I thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you all put your hands together for those three who made the best decision of their lives this morning?